The University of Florida College of Medicine is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, ACCME, to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The University of Florida College of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. Welcome to UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. Basma Mohammed. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Anesthesia and the Divisions of Perioperative Medicine and Neuroanesthesia at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Mohammed practices at UF Health Shands Hospital. Dr. Mohammed, I'm so glad you could join us today to highlight perioperative optimization of the elderly spine surgery patient. So can you start by discussing unique aspects of orthopedic care in elderly patients. What makes this group of patients unique for this type of practice? Some of the issues that surround them when they are experiencing spinal issues. Hello, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. So we have noticed over the last years that the population's aging and more and more patients uh, presenting to the spine surgeons with more symptomatic spine disease. What's really interesting is that the spine surgeons are always coming to the anesthesiologist and asking, well, this patient is elderly and high risk. We'll be able to offer surgery without having a lot of complications afterwards. What we noticed that is very unique about this population is the fact that not just the list of comorbidities that they're experiencing, many of them have a list of uh, medical problems that they need care for, but also what was not noticed from the anesthesia and also perioperative care standpoint, how functional they are, how much nutrition they take, how much social support they have. And from a psychological standpoint, many of them experience anxiety and depression. And on top of all of that, the cognitive status that they have, this might go unnoticed as well. And from the spine pathology itself, we have experienced a lot of pain issues over the years. And by the time we are surgical candidates, you're really suffering so much from pain. So as a result of this, I think a preoperative evaluation that focuses only on medical optimization is not enough for that population. And that's why we decided to group together and just look at literature and look at this patient population, how unique they are, and offer them different options for different aspects that I've talked about. That's so interesting, and, and it really is an exciting time to be in this field because of this aging population. Now, Dr. Mohammed, it's interesting for perioperative in that it involves that entire time frame from pre to post-surgery, and you just mentioned how pre is just really not enough. But before we get into the elements that define these periods, can you discuss what ties them all together, the unifying goal of the perioperative optimization of the elderly patients? So the goal is first to make sure that we optimize every aspect that I've talked about in addition to the medical comorbidities optimization. At the same time, we need to provide the adequate evidence-based clinical care during their surgery and also after their surgery to expedite their recovery and hopefully discharge them home um, and not really needing any skilled nursing facility or anything like that. So tell us about a comprehensive preoperative evaluation. What's involved in that and what are some of those quality of life considerations you mentioned before when you're considering the treatments for these patients? Great. So currently at UF Health Shands Hospital, when the spine surgeons decide that the patient is high risk, 
and also they will benefit from having spine surgery, they refer them specifically to the anesthesia preoperative clinic in a form of anesthesia consult. During that consult, we pay so much attention to their medical comorbidities, but we also assess their functional status using a six-minute walk test and a frailty assessment test. We also like to evaluate their nutritional status using pre-albumin as a lab test. We do preoperative cognitive screening, and we have a wonderful group of neuropsychologists who dig deep in that population and evaluate them through extensive neuropsychology testing to predict their risk of delirium afterwards. In addition, they also offer psychological evaluation, and in some situations, they were able to tell us if this patient has an undiagnosed anxiety or undiagnosed depression that will need further optimization before we proceed with surgery. We also evaluate their level of social support, and we provide them with a patient education materials that can help them through the entire perioperative continuum. Can you expand just a little bit? You mentioned the frailty assessment and the importance, the methods that we're seeing in the literature today. What do they say about that? Surprisingly, frailty assessment has been extensively studied in the general surgery population. But if you look at the PubMed recently in the last couple of years, there's a huge number of studies and systematic reviews that have focused so much on frailty in that population, spine surgery population. Every study category, they will focus on patients that are really either high risk from a medical standpoint or from a surgical standpoint. But the focus really on frailty is it's mainly it's an age-related kind of decline in the patient physiological function to the point that they really become vulnerable to stressors. So at this time, there are so many, I mean, there are between 11 to 28 different frailty assessment tools that have been tested, validated, and modified based on the clinical feasibility and applicability in a clinical setting. However, the main focus on frailty is the combined impact of multiple comorbidities and the functional status of a patient. I can explain a little bit more by explaining that, for example, at our institution, what we do with frailty assessment is that we assess their ability to be physically active, their walking speed, the self-reported exhaustion, whether they lost weight over the last six months or not. And then we finally, we test their weakness or the strength of their hand grip. These are five different elements that focus so much on one domain, which is the functional status. And it gives you an idea about overall how functional they're going to be now and how functional they're going to be afterwards. And for frail patients, we offer some opportunities for optimization, which I can talk about a little bit later. Well, that's what I would like to talk about is those opportunities for optimization. And one of the words we hear now much more often is prehabilitation. So for frail elder patients in preparation of spine surgery, how is this improving clinical outcomes? How does it benefit the patients? Speak if EROS is involved and how this type of program really assesses and prepares older adults prior to surgery. Yes. So we have a unique collaboration with the physical therapy group at our institution. So back in 2017, we decided to gather and look at the literature of the general surgery population and see what really was done so far in the frail elderly population. They help us design a prehabilitation program where it's focusing on the core strength in addition to some ideas for aerobic exercise. But the whole idea is core strength for that population so they can prevent any kind of post-operative complications, which I'm going to elaborate a little bit more. So those patients that really are frail, so they fail the frailty test, and we get them up and get them walking for six minutes. And if they're really below 50% predicted of their six-minute walk test, then we send it to prehab. They get evaluated one time by our physical therapist, 
and they design a program that is really progressive over a period of 8 to 12 weeks. I have to tell you, we had some success stories where patients, when they came back, their frailty score was really lower, and the 6-minute test could go from, like, single digit to, like, 90-plus percent predicted, which is very, very helpful to understand that prehab could be really a potential benefit for those patients. At this time, during once they get optimized through prehab and through all the other elements that I mentioned earlier, when they get scheduled for surgery, we follow an enhanced recovery after surgery protocol for the entire surgical encounter. So intra-op, we focus on optimizing fluid intake, optimizing pain management. If the patient needs blood transfusion, we focus on patient blood management protocols if needed. And then afterwards, which is a key element, post-operative phase, we focus so much on early ambulation, participation in physical therapy, early nutrition, and then we found out that at least there was a decrease of one or one and a half day in the hospital length of stay and the decreased instance of ICU stay in those patients. Hmm. So while we're thinking about prehabilitation, what do you feel, Dr. Mohammed, is important to note about discharge planning for patients undergoing orthopedic and spine procedures? What's important to note as far as geriatricians and other providers, where they fit into this continuum? What's involved in this geriatric co-management, rehab, social support you've mentioned a couple of times, as well as ongoing adjuvant therapy? How do you weave all of these elements together because that's really what gives us the best outcomes. Absolutely. I think coordination of care with different champions in different phases of care is very essential. Many times, especially for patients that don't live or don't get their care within the U.S. Health Shane's Hospital, we try to communicate with the primary care physician to give them a heads up. Hey, by the way, I'm referring this patient for prehab. The goal for prehab is this and that. This patient is undergoing such and such surgery. Expect post-operative care to be such and such. We predict that this patient will require rehab facility afterwards or being discharged home or any of these things that we try to predict for them. But at the same time, we are trying to improve our own hands-on care for post-operative care for those patients. But as you can imagine for anesthesiologists, I have such a good grip on the preoperative and intraoperative phase. And then for post-operative concerns, I communicate all the time with the spine surgeons without any concern. Well, I think that communication is really so important, as you said. Give us your final thoughts for other providers on the perioperative optimization of the elderly spine surgery patient and what you would really want them to know when they're trying to build these types of programs. Great. Yeah, there are tons of resources currently online. There's a very nice recent article that I can eventually maybe send you a link to that. But what I would highly recommend is that the fact that Caring for the elderly population in the form of only optimizing their medical comorbidities is not enough. We need to have a way of standardizing their regular primary care in a way that identifying frailty early, identifying cognitive impairment really early, and try to optimize them from a primary care standpoint. So by the time they come to us, you don't have to wait for surgery for like three months or so because by the time the patient gets referred to surgery, they took a lot of time from primary care to pain interventions and then finally coming to us for the surgeon to tell them, no, I cannot have, you cannot have surgery until you get prehab, that's really difficult. I really want to emphasize the fact that up until now, prehab is not really considered as a standard of care to pre-op optimize patients, but that's what we're aiming for. We're trying to track and do research on those patients where in a way that we need to prove that prehab can improve them or can help optimize their post-operative outcomes and hopefully we can change the guidelines and the recommendations to include it as part of the recommendation. 
Well, thank you so much, and I hope you'll come on and join us again and update us as things work around and improve. And thank you so much for joining us again to refer your patient or to listen to more podcasts from our experts. Please visit ufhealth.org slash medmatters. That concludes this episode of UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.